What do you think? I think we're dead meat. Real dead meat. You're dead meat! Go ahead and laugh, you guys. If I ever find a little bastard of business, you're dead meat. Welcome to the Dead Meat Podcast, an extension of the YouTube channel Dead Meat. I'm James. I'm Chelsea, and we're a boyfriend and girlfriend, and we like to get scared together. What? Oh, you looked excited. Oh, and do personality tests together, yeah. I guess. <laughs> We're also going to find out today on this episode what horror characters we are. And you can play along, too. We're going to do this using... Wait, what horror characters we are or what horror characters we're like? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's how you... If you're writing a BuzzFeed quiz, you say, sure. what horror character are you? Oh, I, and I'm that's so, probably I'm what I'm calling this episode. I thought we were above such listicles. No, never. Oh, we're not. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> no, not at all. Not for those clicks. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, we're going to do this with, with Enneagrams. Which, Enneagrams? Yeah, it sounds, it sounds like some Scientology, something when you... Enneagrams. Yeah, like like you would walk into a room and, you know, Enya would, you would be playing. Yeah, Enneagram. Oh, my gosh. Enneagram, if Enya showed up. Oh, man. And sang happy birthday to you. Do people even know who Enya is still? I don't. I may, like mm. new people? Like new humans? That's a good question. <laughs> Newer humans than Enya's us? Enya's awesome. She's rich as hell. Like, she's super wealthy and oh, lives in yeah. a castle by that? herself. Because she made a ton of really popular stuff in, like, the 90s. Oh, yeah. I saw the commercials all the time. Enneagrams are, it's a type of personality test. So think of if you've done the Myers-Briggs where it's the four letters, you get your personality. It's it's one like that where we, I think this one, we don't actually know where the concept of it began. I guess this is a pretty like standard system of separating personalities that's been around forever. But then someone in like the 70s came up with this version of it and called it Enneagrams. And we use it that's pretty much the story for many personality tests i think someone in the 70s came up with it and was able to sell it to businesses and stuff so they could do like team building activities with all their employees okay yeah that's how myers-briggs is like a thing yeah people do it at work and stuff i have a complicated relationship with personality tests oh yeah i, I, I mean they you know many people would consider them pseudoscience i think they're fun they can be fun. They can be frustrating because as someone who feels uh, very in tune with many different aspects of my own personality, mm -hmm. I'll sometimes get questions on personality type tests and be like, but both are fucking true. So what right. do you want me to do? So, okay. So what we're going to do is I'm, I'm going to read a description of each of the nine Enneagram types, mm -hmm. uh, good and bad traits. And so I think the way to think about a personality test in something like this is it's not necessarily, I think personality test is a bad description of what this is. I think it's more of like a how you process the world, how you relate to others. Yeah, I think you called it instead of personality, what'd you call it? brain processing test. Yeah. Yeah. And that seems more... all of our inner lives are different, but... I guess you can kind of look at similarities between how people, you know, process things, where we get our energy from, like introverts versus extroverts. Yeah. And for anyone who doesn't know, my other degree besides film production uh, that I got in college was brain behavior and cognitive science. I spent a lot of money and took a lot of classes learning about the human brain yeah. and uh, personality tests would come up. I learned about them mm -hmm. in college, Myers-Briggs and all that. Mm -hmm. And so like there is... 
they're data, you know, yeah. they're not perfect, but they are something to look at and consider. Every time we learned about them, there was always caveats of like, it can tell you this, but not this. So yeah, don't, you know, uh, I just, there's, I think there's a fine line between personality tests. Maybe it's not so fine. And astrology. Because right. astrology, I I fucking can't stand. But astrology, <laughs> at least a personality test, is based on actual facts about yourself mm-hmm. versus astrology, which is Yeah, because that's just when you were born. Right. And it's, that tells not, you about who you are. It's not a thing. Yeah. But at least this... Like there, so I have, I definitely have an Enneagram type that I identify with that I feel when I, when I read about that type and its strengths and weaknesses, mm-hmm. I find very applicable to me as compared to other types where they seem completely like, no, that does not make sense to me at all. Yeah. Where with astrology though, it's, yeah, it's every, always, every sign could apply to you because they're so yeah vague. I'm sure people will have things to say about that. <laughs> I'm sure that, but I will say, and maybe I've said it on the podcast before, but when I'm talking to someone and one of the first things they say is like, what's your sign? I'm just like, nope. <laughs> what are you, a Taurus? Yeah, I'm a Taurus. I'm a cancer, I'm a little crab. Yeah, I don't know what the fuck Taurus means, but sometimes I'll do something and someone will be like, that's so Taurus of you. I'm like, no, it's not. I'm not defined by when I was born. Thank right. you. As we're going to go through each type and... Normally, you would take a test and it would tell you what type you are, but I think it's it's almost better, and this worked for me, is just kind of learning about each type and then just picking the one that really speaks to you, mm-hmm. I think. And then after I go through each type and then, you have your type, then I'm going to tell you which horror characters I've put as each type. Yes. And this- I've also given each of the little Enneagram names a horror theme. That's fun. Yeah. Uh, yes. At the end of this. We will tie it back to being a horror movie podcast. Oh, yeah, yeah. So so, so we're going to go through all the types, and you're going to forget it's a horror podcast for a little bit. But then we're going to learn about what horror characters all of us are. Yeah. And you know what? We can do this. It's our podcast. We can do whatever we want. <laughs> okay. Type one, the reformer. So our type ones are, and this is from uh, the Enneagram Institute.com. That's where okay. I got these script- descriptions from. Ones are conscientious and ethical. They have a strong sense of right and wrong. So teachers, crusaders, advocates for change. They're always trying to improve things, but are afraid of making mistakes. Well organized. Uh, they have high standards, but they can also be impatient. So, see, when I was reading them, I read that one and was like, that's probably me. But I ended up identifying more with another one. Mm-hmm. But yeah. We'll keep going. Okay. So, okay. So, well, this is like a traits of like a healthy type one. They're wise, discerning, humane. They have strong personal convictions. So, what, what drives them is they have an intense sense of right and wrong. Yeah. Personal, moral, religious values. Not necessarily religious, but... Truth and justice, sense of responsibility, uh, sense of a higher purpose. And then, so this is uh, going down the ladder. I'm going to be going down like we're getting into unhealthier traits. This is like average, kind of middle of the road. We're starting to teeter into unhealthy traits. Dissatisfied with reality, they are high-minded idealists. They feel it's up to them to improve everything. So advocates, but also critics. They're into causes and they explain to others how things ought to be. Everything has to be consistent with their ideals. They become orderly and well-organized, but also impersonal, emotionally constricted, rigidly keeping their feelings and impulses in check. 
they are really into correcting other people and badgering them to do the right thing as they see it. Yeah, see, so that sounds like college me. (laughs) (laughs) Now this is like bad type ones. Highly dogmatic, self-righteous, intolerant, inflexible. They deal in absolutes. They alone know what the truth is. (laughs) Everyone else is wrong, severe in judgment. Oh my God, I already know. It has to be the first yes. horror person. Oh, you know, you, you know who it yeah. is. Some of these I read out, I read out loud and was like, "This is yep. e- this is so easy." <laughs> Literally the first. Yeah, one. yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, it's fun. Yeah, you could try and kind of guess who I'm mm-hmm. gonna. Who I'm we'll gonna... go through all the types and you can guess yeah, yeah. which horror characters we're gonna obsessive put in. about imperfection and the wrongdoing of others. Although they may hypocritically become the opposite of what they preach, they become con- condemnatory towards others, punitive and cruel to rid themselves of wrongdoers. So that's the reformer. Yeah. So if you are a strong if you're a person with a strong sense of justice right and wrong you you know what the truth is maybe you're a reformer man i feel so much like a reformer reformer (laughs) a boom boom down no (laughs) uh here i'll read the helper okay type two is the helper yeah twos are empathetic sincere and warm-hearted Friendly, generous, self-sacrificing. They can be sentimental and flattering and people-pleasing. And they're well-meaning and driven to be close to others, but they can slip into doing things for others in order to be needed. And they typically have problems with possessiveness and with acknowledging their own needs. This is definitely not me. Uh, The good helpers, the good type twos here, the helpers, uh, become deeply unselfish and humble and altruistic, and they give unconditional love to others, and they feel it's a privilege to be in the lives of other people. So that's fun. They're empathetic, compassionate. They feel for others. And, uh, yeah, they're thoughtful, warm-hearted. I feel like type twos are care bears, pretty much. Mm -hmm. Uh, That's the mental image I have right now. Service is important, but takes care of self, too. This is the healthy Number two, they're nurturing, generous, and a truly loving person. So that's nice. Uh, As we move down the ladder, as you called it, to the average type two, they want to be closer to others. And so they uh, begin people-pleasing and become overly friendly and emotionally demonstrative, uh, you know, putting their emotions on display and uh, are full of good intentions about everything, but they can become overly intimate and intrusive. They they can hover and meddle and control in the name of love, and they want others to depend on them, and even when they're giving, they expect a return. And so they, yeah, can become possessive and feel increasingly self-important and self-satisfied, like they're indispensable. Yes, overbearing. Like uh, Lucy. Lucy's yeah, like Lu- right Lucy there. is such a type two. <laughs> no, probably not. She's, what's the selfish one? <laughs> That's her. Uh, and then bad type twos. Them bad type twos. So I, I feel like most of the horror people will be naming... They are falling into the bad. The bad yes, that's why I number. included the negative traits because those are the ones where you kind of start to get a sense of what type of character I'm picking. Yeah. yeah. And it's it's fun too because... Yeah, every personality trait can be used for good or bad. Oh, I think and that's a general rule in life. I think looking at the bad traits of each of these make is actually the way to go in terms of picking which type you are. Yeah, because you know your own. Because it's faults. easy to to read a list of good things and think those are all me. I'm yeah. awesome. Yeah, exactly. But if you read the bad ones and are true to yourself, and you know, like, oh, I do have a tendency to like judge others. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, So the bad type twos, which are the helpers, can be manipulative and self-serving and instill guilt 
by telling other people how much they owe them and make them suffer. They abuse food and medication to stuff feelings and get sympathy. Uh-oh. Uh, they undermine people and make disparaging remarks and are self-deceptive about their motives and how selfish their behavior is. They can be coercive and feel entitled to get anything they want from other people, and they can just excuse and rationalize everything they do because they feel abused and victimized by other people and are bitterly resentful and angry. Yeah. Yeah. Type twos. Type three. Yes. The achiever. Mm-hmm. And this is your This type. is probably me. You're, I, I think this this makes sense. I, yeah, I feel like this is most me, but I still feel pretty uh, close to I those mean, ones. There's those other reformers. types I look at where I think, oh, this makes sense for me. But then I I think overall, the type I, I think I am is more, yeah. I think this is me, but yeah. let's see. Let's All right, see. let's see. Threes are... Self-assured, attractive, and charming. Ambitious, competent, energetic. They can also be status conscious and highly driven for advancement. Diplomatic and poised, but overly concerned with image and what others think of them. They typically have problems with workaholism and competitiveness. At their best, self-accepting, authentic, everything they seem to be, role models who inspire others. (laughs) So here's our our good type threes. Yeah, good Uh, threes. Self-accepting inner directed and authentic modest charitable um they have a fullness of heart they're gentle energetic and they have high self-esteem they believe in themselves and their own value i think you are someone who has high self and that's not a bad thing (laughs) that's not a bad thing at all but that's something where like the for all the time we've been together is like that's for me a good person to be with yeah someone who has high self-esteem sure sure because we'll read about my type (laughs) (laughs) They're uh, adaptable, charming, gracious. They're ambitious to improve themselves and to be the best they can be. And they are just highly effective people. People yeah. are motivated to be like that. It, it's that ambitious to improve themselves, be the best they can be. That's what speaks to me the most, I guess. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Uh, moving down the list, they are highly concerned with their performance and terrified of failure, compare themselves to others. Oh, yeah. They are careerist social climbers, invested in exclusivity and being the best. They begin to package themselves according to the expectations of others and what they need to do to be successful. They want to impress others with their superiority. Narcissistic, grandiose, inflated notions about themselves and their talents. Arrogance and contempt for others is a defense against feeling jealous of others yeah so some of those things i can recognize from like earlier in my career back before we were as successful as we are now thank you to everyone listening but yeah definitely that comparing self with others and you know uh just like really everything is like how can i make this uh, tune this to be more successful Mm -hmm. Now here's our here's our bad. I know, and the people who I associate with these traits are not people I want to be associated <laughs> with. But oh man, yeah, you're in fun company, type threes. Mm. They fear failure and humiliation. They can be exploitive and opportunistic, covetous of the success of others, and willing to do whatever it takes to preserve the illusion of their superiority. Devious and deceptive, so that their mistakes and wrongdoings will not be exposed untrustworthy, maliciously betraying or sabotaging people to triumph over them, delusionally jealous of others, they become vindictive, attempting to ruin others' happiness, relentless, obsessive about destroying whatever reminds them of their own shortcomings and failures. (laughs) That's our type three. You want to read type type four? Yeah, type four. The individualist. So fours are self-aware, sensitive, and reserved. 
And they're emotionally honest, creative, and personal, but they can be moody and self-conscious and withhold themselves from others due to feeling vulnerable and defective. They can also feel disdainful and exempt from ordinary ways of living, and they typically have problems with melancholy, self-indulgence, and self-pity. At their best, they're inspired and highly creative, and they're able to renew themselves and transform their experiences. Okay, so good type fours, individualists, are profoundly creative, and they're inspired and self-renewing and regenerating, and uh, they can transform all their experiences into something valuable. They're self-aware, introspective, and on the search for themselves, and they're aware of feelings and inner impulses. And uh, yeah, they're sensitive and intuitive, both to their self and others, and emotionally honest and humane, and they have an ironic view of self and life. They can be serious and funny, vulnerable and emotionally strong. You know what? That sounds pretty... Uh, I, I feel pretty related to that, too. But you're not an introvert, I don't think. You I, know? That's always up for debate, I think whether these I'm an types introvert are, These types are more... They're loners, you, you think know? think so? Yeah. But it's that... It's the sensitive and intuitive both to self and others. But you don't... I don't think you pity yourself. I don't. hardcore as this type I can don't fall. I don't think myself. that that's one of... See, that's what I mean, is like mm-hmm. looking at the flaws of each type. I don't... This doesn't, for me, match... Okay, because, yeah, I guess the flaws for my type, type three, is fearing failure, which is my biggest. I think that's, yeah. Yeah, okay. Uh, Average type four individualists, they take an artistic romantic orientation to life and create a beautiful aesthetic environment to cultivate and prolong personal feelings. And to stay in touch with their feelings, they interiorize everything, and they take everything personally and can become self-absorbed and introverted and moody and hypersensitive and shy and self-conscious, and they may stay withdrawn to protect their self-image and uh, gradually think that they're different from others and feel like they're exempt from living as everyone else does and can become melancholy dreamers. Bad type for individualists, uh, when their dreams fail, they become self-inhibiting and angry at their self and depressed and alienated from their self and others and blocked and emotionally paralyzed. Yeah, this doesn't sound right. Tormented by delusional self-contempt, self-reproaches, self-hatred, and morbid thoughts. Oh, poor type fours. I know. Everything's a source of torment. It's mankind. Uh, (laughs) Blaming others, they drive away anyone who tries to help them. Despairing, they feel hopeless and can become self-destructive. And you mean mankind, the wrestling persona of Mick Foley, not like (laughs) mankind overall. Correct. Correct. (laughs) <laughs> type five, the investigator. This is my type. Okay. And yes. the more I read about this type, the more I felt firmly, yeah, this is. Yeah. Me. And I even I even said you were one of these before it's you weird. woke yeah, up and joined I the read, chat. Yeah, yeah. Before I read uh, the site, you were like, I think Chelsea's a type five, which I think I am too. So mm. I'm going to just read about myself now. <laughs> Fives are alert, insightful, curious. They're able to concentrate and focus on developing complex ideas and skills, independent, innovative, inventive. They can also become preoccupied with their thoughts and imaginary constructs. They become detached, yet high-strung and intense. They typically have problems with eccentricity, nihilism, and isolation. At their best, visionary pioneers, often ahead of their time, and able to see the world in an entirely new way. So let's read about good good, uh, investigators, type fives. Good investigators. So uh, they broadly comprehend the world. They find new ways of doing and perceiving things, observe everything with extraordinary perceptiveness and insight, curious, are able to become engrossed in what's caught their attention. They attain skillful mastery of whatever interests them. 
They're excited by knowledge, often becoming an expert in some field, innovative, inventive. They are idiosyncratic and whimsical. I think I'm pretty whimsical. Moving down the list, they uh, fine-tune everything before acting, working things out in their minds. That is absolutely me. I am a (laughs) pre-planner to a fault. They become specialized and often intellectual, often challenging, accepted ways of doing things. They increasingly become detached as they become involved with complicated ideas or imaginary worlds, become preoccupied with their visions and interpretations rather than reality, are fascinated by offbeat esoteric subjects, even those involving dark and disturbing elements. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) They begin to take an antagonistic stance towards anything which would interfere with their inner world and personal vision. They can become cynical and argumentative. Figures are bad, type fives. (laughs) They become reclusive and isolated from reality, eccentric and nihilistic, highly unstable and fearful of aggressions. They reject and repulse others and all social attachments. They get obsessed yet frightened by their threatening ideas, becoming horrified, delirious, and prey to gross distortions and phobias, deranged, explosively self-destructive. Yikes. Yikes. So yeah, type five, just like weirdo, uh, curious people, which I think just, I mean, that's what my job is. I, I, I am a researcher for that. That's my day job. I research (laughs) weird shit and, uh, and morbid stuff. I do become, yeah. And also just, there's so many, like I'll decide to pick up a hobby and then get obsessed with it. Like Mm -hmm. I know how to hand embroider shit and I taught myself how to sew. I've taught myself to do all kinds of stuff. Yeah. Yeah. So if you're someone who is driven by just wanting to know everything and learning stuff and being curious about things, that might be you. Yeah. Or it might not be because I feel uh, like that speaks to me as well. Yeah, but things. you you don't um, isolate yourself in an attempt <laughs> to spend more time alone with your thoughts and, and research and sure. things that interest you, which is what I do. Yeah. I'm a loner for sure. <laughs> yeah. All right. Type six is the loyalist. I feel like I know a few of these. Mm-hmm. They're committed, security-oriented type. And, yeah, they're reliable, hardworking, responsible, trustworthy. What are they? They're, they're like the rocks, not mm. the wrestler of the rock. Just they're like your ride the, or die. Loyalists are your ride or die type, yeah, I think. Yeah. They're troubleshooters. They foresee problems and foster cooperation, but can also become defensive, evasive, and anxious, running on stress while complaining about it. They can be cautious and indecisive, but also reactive, defiant, and rebellious, and they typically have problems with self-doubt and suspicion. But at their best, they're internally stable and self-reliant and courageously champion themselves and others. Good is becoming self-affirming and trusting of themselves and others, and they their belief in themselves leads to true courage and positive thinking and leadership and rich self-expression. They're able to elicit strong emotional responses from others. They're appealing, endearing, lovable, and uh, bonding with others, forging permanent relationships. That's really important. They're dedicated to individuals and movements in which they deeply believe. And they're community builders because they're so responsible and reliable. Yeah. Average loyalists start investing their time and energy into whatever they believe will be safe and stable. They organize and have structure, and they look to alliances and authorities for security and continuity. And they're constantly vigilant, anticipating problems. They're reactive, anxious. They can be negative, giving contradictory mixed signals. And to compensate for insecurities, they can become uh, sarcastic and belligerent, blaming others for their problems. Bad type six loyalists 
fear that they have ruined their security, and they can become panicky and volatile and self-disparaging with acute inferiority feelings. And seeing themselves as defenseless, they seek out a stronger authority or belief to resolve all their problems. They're highly divisive, disparaging and berating others, and feeling persecuted that others are out to get them, they lash out and act irrationally, bringing about what they fear. Hysterical and seeking to escape punishment, they become self-destructive. Some of these types were harder for me to pick characters for than others. This was a harder one. That was a harder one? But once I kind of broke what, what type of horror character makes sense for me for this, I was able to think of. Interesting. Few. Yeah, I'm very curious to see uh, My, your why? explanations okay. for yeah, yeah. your picks. And I, yeah, and if you disagree with me, mm-hmm. please do tell. Type 7 is our enthusiast. I, type 7 is fun. Type 7 is one where... Oh, this was all of our friends. We were like, oh, I might be a 1 or like a 4. But we're but not. No type, none of us seven. are type 7. Yeah, our like close-knit group of friends. None, none of, of us, us are, are these type... extroverts. But I think... I, the descriptions of this made me laugh because there's some characters that you'll instantly, I think, think of. So here we go. They're extroverted, optimistic, versatile, and spontaneous, playful, high-spirited, and practical. They can also misapply their many talents, becoming overextended, scattered, and undisciplined. They sound like dogs. A little bit, yeah, like the golden retriever <laughs> yeah. of the, uh, yeah. Uh, they, they seek new and exciting experiences, but can become distracted and exhausted by staying on the go. They typically have problems with impatience and impulsiveness at their best. They focus their talents on worthwhile goals, becoming appreciative, joyous, and satisfied. So our good, our healthy type sevens, they assimilate experiences in depth, making them deeply grateful and appreciative for what they have. They are awed by these simple wonders of life. They're joyous, ecstatic. Highly responsive, excitable, enthusiastic about experiences. They are our most extroverted type. They find everything invigorating. They're lively, vivacious, eager, spontaneous. They easily become accomplished achievers, and they do many different things well, multi-talented people. Our, moving down the list, our average uh as restlessness increases, they want to have more options and choices available to them. They become adventurous and worldly wise, but less focused, constantly seeking new things and experiences. They're unable to discriminate what they really need. So they become hyperactive, doing and saying whatever comes to mind, storytelling, flamboyant exaggerations, witty wise cracking and performing. They're self-centered, materialistic and greedy, never feeling that they have enough. They can become uh, hardened and insensitive. So our bad bad uh type seven yeah bad type sevens they're desperate to quell their anxieties impulsive infantile they don't know when to stop (laughs) debauched depraved dissipated escapists offensive and abusive in flight from self acting out impulses rather than dealing with anxiety or frustrations they go out of control into erratic mood swings and compulsive actions finally their energy and health is completely spent they become claustrophobic and panic stricken i feel like a lot uh Maybe some of our comedian friends are type sevens, mm. enthusiasts. You know, I'm, I'm mostly thinking it wasn't so much related to the bad part that you just read, but more of like the uh, uh, storytelling, witty, wisecracking, performing. Oh, yeah. You know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, so two more. We got types eight and nine. You want to read Yeah. And also, before I forget, uh-huh. I just want to say that our friend Beth B. Rad is the one who introduced us to this whole thing oh yeah like she gave me the idea 
because we all have a group chat on Facebook and we were all talking about our Enneagrams. And then I was like, oh, I want to make a list of horror characters that would be each type. Oh, wait, why don't I just do that for the <laughs> podcast? Because I'm having such a hard time with the research for this other one that I'm yeah, tabling. So thank you, Beth. Thank you, Beth. Who also, you know, obviously did the logo, did yeah. all my Twitch emotes. Beth's the best. Beth is a type four. Beth's a type four? What yeah, our one? sensitive artist. Oh, is that also Gressel you said? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Learn about our friends. Mm-hmm. Type eight, the challenger. Eights are self-confident, strong, and assertive. They're protective, resourceful, straight-talking, and decisive, but they can also be egocentric and domineering. They feel like they must control their environment, especially people, and sometimes become confrontational or intimidating. Eights typically have problems with their tempers and with allowing themselves to be vulnerable. At their best, they are self-mastering. They use their strength to improve others' lives and become heroic, magnanimous, and inspiring. Mm. That sounds like a like a military leader, mm. you know, mm-hmm. like an Alexander the Great or something. Good. Uh, they become self-restrained and magnanimous, merciful and forbearing, and they're courageous, willing to put themselves in serious jeopardy to achieve their vision and have a lasting influence. They're self-assertive, self-confident, and strong. They have learned to stand up for what they need and want and have a resourceful, can-do attitude and passionate inner drive. They're decisive, authoritative, and commanding. They're the natural leader that others look up to. They make things happen. Uh, Moving down the list, the average Type 8 challenger is enterprising, pragmatic, a rugged individualist. (laughs) Wheelers and dealers, risk-taking, hard-working. They may deny their own emotional needs. They can begin to dominate their environment, including others, and that could lead them to being proud, egocentric, and wanting to impose their will and vision on everything, not seeing others as equals or treating them with respect. They can become highly combative and intimidating to get their way, and they can use threats and reprisals to get obedience from others. And bad type A challengers defy any attempt to control them, become completely ruthless and dictatorial, the criminal and outlaw, the renegade who had it made, immoral and potentially violent, and develop delusional ideas about their power, invincibility, and ability to prevail. Megalomania, feeling omnipotent and invulnerable, and recklessly overextend their self. If they get in danger, they may brutally destroy everything that is not conformed to their will rather than surrender to anyone else. Is Cersei a type eight maybe Ooh, i you know what i think cersei would be a great example of a type eight maybe maybe you know mm-hmm. all right yeah dominating that environment mm-hmm. okay because yeah i think it would it's it's easy to maybe mix up this one with a type one yes but i think i think maybe talking about cersei makes that difference make more sense to me because cersei is not driven by right and wrong she's driven by herself yeah it's not reforming it's the challenger, the challenger. What are they challenging? Just, just other people. Yeah, like to assert themselves. Mm-hmm. Yeah, okay. But she could also be a type three, although maybe not because she's not so image conscious. Like she doesn't really care what other people think of her. I think that's a big difference too. I wonder if Tywin would be a type three. Oh yeah. I don't know. Yeah, I could see that. This is we, not a Game of Thrones. This is podcast. not a Game of Thrones podcast. We're sorry. <laughs> <laughs> All right, type nine is the peacemaker and the hardest one for me to come up with characters for. This was a difficult category because peacemaker is inherently No, I think you did a great job with yeah. at least one of them. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I'm curious which oh. one you think is like spot on. Oh, I think right. you know. 
Nines are accepting, trusting, and stable. They're usually creative, optimistic, and supportive, but they can also be too willing to go along with others to keep the peace. They want everything to go smoothly and be without conflict, but this they can also tend to be complacent, simplifying problems, and minimizing anything upsetting. They typically have problems with inertia and stubbornness. At their best, they are indomitable and all-embracing. They are able to bring people together and heal conflicts. Good peacemakers are good type nines. They are intensely alive, fully connected to self and others, deeply receptive, accepting, unselfconscious, emotionally stable, and serene. They trust themselves and others. They're at peace with their self and life. Innocent and simple, patient, unpretentious, good-natured, genuinely nice people. They're good at harmonizing groups and bringing people together. Uh, moving down the list, they fear conflict, so they become accommodating, idealizing others, and going along with their wishes, saying yes to things they don't really want to do. They're active but disengaged, unreflective and inattentive. Thinking becomes hazy and ruminative, mostly comforting fantasies as they begin to tune out reality, becoming oblivious. They begin to minimize problems to appease others and to have peace at any price. <laughs> Stubborn, fatalistic, and resigned as if nothing could be done to change anything. Devil Chamberlain. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> I wouldn't be surprised if he's on these sites as an example of, like, real-life people. Who yeah. Uh, are, are bad type nines. They can be highly repressed, undeveloped, and ineffectual. They feel incapable of facing problems. They become obstinate, dissociating self from all conflicts, neglectful and dangerous to others, wanting to block out awareness of anything that could affect them. They dissociate so much that they eventually can't function. They become numb and depersonalized. They finally become severely disoriented and catatonic, abandoning themselves, turning into shattered shells. Shattered shells. Harsh. Christ. Hey, I want to talk about our sponsor real quick, ExpressVPN. ExpressVPN protects your identity when you're using Wi-Fi. That's an easy way for people to steal your information, I guess. <laughs> I don't know how it works, but it does. Yeah, because we're not, you know, we don't go looking up how to steal info. No. We don't want to do that. Yeah, but this will protect your IP address and all of your data so it won't get stolen by scary hackers Yeah, who on would the dark net. Uh, type 3 hackers who are maybe not type 3. I don't know what personality type hackers would be. Probably many types. That's the scary part. Oh, no. Yeah. These multifaceted hackers. hackers. stripes. Yeah. Coming to steal your data. Exactly. But ExpressVPN for less than $7 a month. You can get the same ExpressVPN protection that I have. I have it set up. Mm -hmm. My computer, it protects me. And it's easy to set up, which is important. Because, again, I hate setting up stuff on the computer. Yeah, how easy was this? It took me like two minutes. Nice. It's super, super easy. It's also the number one VPN service as rated by TechRadar. And it comes with a 30-day money-back guarantee. So if you don't like it, you decide you don't want it, get your money back within 30 days. That's nice. Always nice to have that option. But it's also, it's $7 a month. That's so cheap mm -hmm. to protect your identity. That's a, that's a small price to pay for that kind of insurance. Yeah, because even if you know your information gets stolen and you're able to to fix it it's still how much of a pain in the butt is it Huge to pain get, in the yeah butt. to you're fix calling so many banks and stuff and talking to robots oh, you know friggin robots man yeah that's yeah. exactly what that would be and no <laughs> one wants that that almost is worse than 
getting your stuff stolen <laughs> is having to be on the phone with robots for hours. Speak to a customer Speak representative. Speak to person. <laughs> if you want to protect your identity online today and find out how you can get three months free, you go to expressvpn.com slash deadmeat. That's E-X-P-R-E-S-S-V-P-N.com slash deadmeat to get your three months free with a one-year package. Once again, that's expressvpn.com slash deadmeat. All right, so let's sum up each type because we went through so many of them. Yeah. And maybe you've, you've you know, listening to all of us and you're still not sure. Maybe we'll go down the list once more. Okay. Quickly. Okay. So our, our type, and I also gave, because all of them are the reformer, the achiever, blah. I gave them horror nicknames. Yeah, too. the names given are kind of like the positive aspect of them. And I feel like you tapped I, into the negative yeah, aspect. Yeah, I gave them their kind of villainous, their horror movie equivalent. So. Yeah. So type ones, which uh, they call the reformer, you have named the vigilant. Yes. The vigilante? The vigilante. Oh, yes. They are rational, purposeful, and idealistic. These are the the people who have really strong senses of right and wrong. They they want everyone to live by their rules, right? Their high standards and can be like mm-hmm. Picky critical. Picky of others. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, we- so number one, come on, listeners, you know who the fuck it is. Is that motherfucking John Kramer. It's John Kramer. That John Kramer is the most essentially, <laughs> like- he is the most perfectly distilled, unhealthy type one. I don't need your help, and I can tell you still don't understand. Those who don't appreciate life do not deserve life. Self-righteous, intolerant, inflexible. Yeah. <laughs> they know the truth. Everyone else is wrong. Yeah. Yes. And he becomes what he is. Yeah, he's a giant hypocrite. He's murdering <laughs> people to prove his point. Yeah, he's perfect. I also put the Toxic <laughs> Avenger. I put Toxie, but I, th- I think Tox. I mean, Toxie is still running around murdering people, but he's more of a healthy type one than John he's Kramer. healthier than John Kramer. Yeah, that's for, for sure. sure. But yeah, yeah our Toxic Avenger. Yeah, he's of course he's driven by his sense of right and wrong. And then I also put Sam from Trick or Treat. I think mm-hmm. Sam is a perfect example of a type one. Yes, yeah, that dogmatic belief. In yeah, what Halloween. Halloween These has are the to rules be. of Halloween, mm-hmm. and he also. When someone doesn't obey the rules of Halloween, he freaks out and he's crawling around on the ceiling and stuff. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's our type one. So you might be uh, the, the vigilante is who I, I put for our type one. Yes. They're taking the law into their own hands. That's good. With like maybe Maniac Cop. I Maniac Cop, I was thinking mm-hmm. of too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's fun. Yeah. Yeah. If you can think of others. Yeah. I would love to see the comment section filled with I think that more type ones include these people Mm -hmm. from horror movies. That'd be a lot of fun. Yeah. Our type two is the helper. So our our type twos are very um, health. When they're healthy, they're selfless. They, they live to serve other people. They, they take care of other people. Possibly to uh, the detriment of their own needs. Yes, exactly. Yeah. They, they, uh, other, they put others above themselves. Um, When you're an unhealthy type two, I think it's, you're, you're doing favors for other people. So you can get something in return. Yes, you're, that manipulation. Yes, you're being um, good to someone so that later you can say, look at all, look at what I've done for you. Yeah, it's this guilting is them. You, this is what you owe me in return. Exactly. So I think uh, yeah. your your second one here is the perfect example. Yes. We haven't really covered this on the channel at all, but Annie Wilkes yes, from Misery. Yes, and, and by the way, the, the nickname I've given the type two oh, yeah. is the evil nurse, mm-hmm. I think is a perfect. Uh, That's not. 
nice. Yeah, so I have, I have Annie Wilkes from, from Misery. I feed you, I clean you, I dress you, and what thanks do I get? Oh, you bought the wrong paper, Annie. I can't write on this paper, Annie. Well, I'll get your stupid paper, but you just better start showing me a little more appreciation around here, Mr. Man. Yeah, the obsessive fan who kidnaps the Stephen King stand-in character. Yeah, rescues him because he got into a car That's crash. That's right, she does rescue her, him. She nurses him back to health and... I guess even in the book, I was reading her character. I haven't read the book, but I guess that she, um, one of her characteristics is that she overindulges in food. She like eats a ton. And that, I, th- I, so I left that in the description of a nice. type two. It's- oh, I guess we did d- discuss her once before on the podcast because we weren't sure what was movie and what was book as far mm-hmm. as the hobbling. I think, yeah, she's a perfect example. Like, I've taken care of you and nursed you back to health. Therefore, you owe it to me to rewrite the ending of your book so that my favorite character doesn't die. Yeah. Right. <laughs> uh, I also have Asami Yamazaki from Audition, mm-hmm. I think is a perfect type two. And, now you, uh, have, you have Norman Bates here. Yeah, I wasn't sure about this, but I think it makes sense because Norman is very... Um, he deflects everything like he, he is a caretaker one. He runs the motel and he takes care of Marion Crane when she shows up and is very accommodating and sweet and seems to put others above himself. Why don't you go away? I couldn't do that. Who'd look after her? She'd be alone up there. The fire would go out. It'd be cold and damp like a grave. If you love someone, you don't do that to them, even if you hate them. His villainous streak, like what he's motivated by is murdering women who he is attracted to, but he is doing it for his mother, right? Like mother is jealous, therefore I must murder these women. I don't know. Like that one was, I I mostly put him because I didn't want to have three female characters. Yeah, especially with and the it, evil I, nurse. It was interesting name. realizing that it was mostly female villains that fit this archetype of like smothering yeah. villain. And so I thought maybe Norman would fit. Because um, what's the, uh, I can't believe I can't remember the title of the book that we read and the HBO series with Amy Adams. Oh, um, um, uh, not Big Little Lies. Sharp no. Objects. Yeah, Sharp Objects. And then the mom in that. Munchausen. Munchausen. Munchausen's is, is a good, yes. yes. I think Munchausen's, um, yeah, even Munchausen's by proxy where you're making someone is, else yeah. sick. That's what that is in Sharp Objects. But, um, yeah, that's a good, like, that's like the most unhealthy incarnation of this. It's that Munchausen's, it's making yourself ill or... Um, making someone else someone, ill yeah. in order to take care of them so that they owe you. Yes. Yeah. Type three, and this is your your type? Type three. All right. I, type three is the achiever, but my horror equivalent, uh, it's like dark face is the tyrant. <laughs> I couldn't think of, uh, I was like, the dictate, no, like, that's not right. Yeah. Sociopath, I don't know. Mm, a little bit. But I, I put the tyrant, and I think it'll make sense once we kind of reveal the character. So just to recap, the achiever or it, the tyrant is <laughs> success-oriented, driven, and image-conscious. They mm. are their social climbers. They want to be their best selves, the best they can be. And our character's... That I picked for type three. I have Patrick Bateman. Patrick Bateman. Seems I think Patrick perfect. Bateman is like the most perfect unhealthy type three. Look at that subtle off-white coloring. A tasteful thickness of it. Oh my god. It even has a watermark. Something wrong? Patrick? You're sweating. Connell Cochran from Halloween 3. Yeah. Right? Um 
what was your reasoning here? Well, he is the head of a business and mm-hmm. cultivates this image of family friendly, like essential to Halloween. Everyone knows Silver Shamrock. They like people are pumped as hell to visit the factory and get a tour. He has this <laughs> image of basically being a Willy Wonka of That's true. of Halloween shit. And he wants to take over the world well not take over the world yeah that's the thing is i think okay sure i see where your issue is because his whole thing is i want to bring back what my idea of halloween is yeah it's like a dogmatic belief interesting so i think maybe on the surface he might be be a type three but you think more deeply when we find out his real motivation which is uh people it's basically what people have bastardized this holiday Mm -hmm. that is is from my uh, ancestry and I want to punish them for mm-hmm. for you know m- commercializing Halloween sure interesting yeah so okay. that might be like a type one reformer I don't know yeah but definitely yeah his his outward appearance I could see mm-hmm. being an achiever and then the third person you have is Helena Marcos I have Helena Marcos I think Suspiria. is a type three do you think from both movies or yeah because she is the the head of this this witch coven and um she yeah i mean her she's just motivated by power trying to think of yeah any other just glancing around at my uh like what would predator be Hmm. (laughs) that it was some like there's a lot of because like what would freddy be you know it's do you have him listed? i do have him oh okay i was gonna say some people can't well yeah that's the thing is like some people i'm like i don't like the xenomorph you can't add yeah i mean that's just an animal right yeah Mm. yeah um i don't yeah uh trying to think of other basically like evil evil businessmen are like a good type three but i think patrick bateman is so perfect maybe the dude who is surprisingly not a villain in gremlins 2 oh yeah yeah i forget his name i forget his name too yeah it's weird when he turns out to be like chill at the end (laughs) yeah type four is our individualist so yeah, what were they like? Oh yeah, the the really reserved, yeah, sensitive, sensitive, artistic. Um, Are they kind of isolate themselves? Yes, them? they're expressive. They're very. Uh, they can get wrapped up in their own inner worlds, but when they're you know a healthy type four is able to create art and use though that like vibrant inner world to create something productive. And so I so my horror archetype for the type four individualist is the tortured soul. Nice. Yeah. So I have Jack Torrance. <laughs> and we're gonna make a new rule. Whenever I'm in here, you hear me typing. Whether you don't hear me typing, whatever the fuck you hear me doing in here, when I'm in here, that means that I am working. That means don't come in. How do you think you can handle that? I have the Phantom of the Opera. Basically any version, but but yeah, our classic, even you know, just the Lon Chaney version. Uh, I think uh, you have the type four up. I think there's something about yeah, when they they lash out at others, they yes. they refuse help. I think of Christine taking off his mask and he gets angry. Oh, nice. Yeah, and I Buffalo Bill is our type type four. Yeah, he has this version of himself that he wants to be. And he also is a loner. I, it, all three of these characters at some point are hunched over their their tool, their works. Yeah. Yes, exactly. Type five is, Which is your the investigator. Type. This is mine. They're perceptive, isolated, and cerebral. Uh, my horror archetype or version of the investigator is the mad scientist. 
So I have Dr. Herbert West. Hell yeah. Seth Brundle from The Fly. Yep, Jeff Goldblum. You just put yourself with all the guys you have crushes on. Okay, I didn't do that. You on literally purpose. did that. No, I didn't. I know that you think Herbert West is a hottie. He is. Obviously, Jeff obviously. Goldblum as Seth Brundle. And obviously, Han- okay, fair, but I didn't <laughs> do it on purpose. Yeah, the third one you have is Hannibal Lecter. <laughs> I gave oh. you Patrick Bateman. Yeah, and Connell Cochran. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, my third is Hannibal Lecter. Yeah, our mad scientist. I had Jack Griffin on here too. Oh, the Invisible Man? Yeah, I think the mm-hmm. Invisible Man is a good example of basically, yeah, just that you know, they're they're obsessed about science with science. It doesn't necessarily have to be science. Yeah, but, but they and, can become detached and high strung and intense. That's Herbert West. Yeah, <laughs> at the expense of others around them. You couldn't call or write a note. I was busy pushing bodies around, as you well know. And what would a note say, Dan? Cat dead, details later. And yeah, Hannibal Lecter is kind of driven by this, like, he's so curious about other people. And he wants to know what makes people tick. He's very perceptive. Interesting. I think that's the most interesting inclusion. Because, yeah, ma- the mad scientist is an easy one to stick Yeah. In there. But Hannibal Lecter is someone who... Um, and this is something where the, that's the thing about this type I relate to. They, he like is curious about other people and he wants to understand other people, but he also is like, is a loner. He's not constantly surrounded by people. I mean, I guess he can be cause he's in solitary confinement, <laughs> but you know, I identify with that. I think yeah. it's appreciate is like wanting to to know about other and being interested in other people just because you said he's a loner what would you think peewee would be oh god uh oh i think he would be a type seven he just would be the enthusiast oh yeah i think so yeah <laughs> for sure but type six we have our loyalist they're uh, security-oriented, responsible, and suspicious. This is, again, I said the kind of ride-or-die type. Mm-hmm. They're very group-focused. and So if you if you have the friend who in your group is like the rock of that friend yeah, group, I, they might be a type six. Mm-hmm. But my nickname for them is the paranoiac. Okay. Yeah. Interesting. Yes. Because in the descriptions of type six, it, it'll say if they think something is kind of amiss... They'll they'll lash out and they get very focused on who's one of us versus an outsider. Okay. They separate. They tend to make categories of friends versus enemies. Mm-hmm. And so when you say what's like the logical extension of someone who's ride or die, you have someone who is like ex- very exclusive. Yeah. And they they tend to really focus on the safety of. I wonder if their group. Uh, Rick Grimes from Walking Dead. I don't know. I like. I don't, yeah, I don't know enough to feel confident, but I feel like the things I'm reading kind of sound like mm-hmm. him. Well, so our horror characters, I have Carrie, I think is a type six. After all you've been taught, everyone in bad mama, everything in the sin. Come to your closet and pray, ask to be forgiven. He's a nice boy, mom. You like him. You really like him, mama. Interesting, because I feel like she's so isolated in most of the movie but, but you're she, saying wants she wants friends she wants to be that's not a self withdrawn that's like a externally no, imposed isolation her isolation is like imposed by her mother and she but she also has that relationship with her mother where it's like a weird like she still loves her mother but she snaps and then 
kills her. Well, yeah, I think this sentence speaks good to that, uh, speaks well to that. Feeling persecuted that others are out to get them, they lash out and act irrationally, bringing about what they fear. Yeah. Yeah. That's so I I, that's what that. made me think of Carrie, is okay. we have Carrie who finally is, is has the safety and security <laughs> of a group of friends. She's elected prom queen and she is finally like this is what she strives for is that feeling of of being wanted and feeling safe in a group but then when that is betrayed or when that trust doesn't exist she snaps and mm -hmm. yeah exactly okay i also have drayton sawyer i think that, is that one's type fun. six yeah because sawyers are generally about the family yep saw's so that family. sounds yeah the saw's family sex or the saw mm -hmm. yeah and i don't know what that is <laughs> yeah sex well no one really knows what that is <laughs> is it no one drayton or is it just you yeah but yeah i think drayton is yeah he's super focused he's like outsiders versus us we're family and he also is someone who sends mixed signals we talked about that in our texas chainsaw episode how he is a confusing character because it's like are you like what you know are you freaked out by how we're treating sally are you into it like what's What's going on? And also Billy Loomis. Interesting. We did your mom a favor, Sid. That woman was a slut bag whore. Flashed her shit all over town like she was Sharon Stone or something. Because his whole, he's motivated by the breakdown of his family. Because okay, he yeah. kills um, Sidney's mom because her mom slept with his dad, right? Mm -hmm. His werewolf looking dad. My family structure, this like thing of safety is ruined i'm gonna lash out and kill all of my friends yeah yeah cool. type seven is our enthusiast <laughs> and my little nickname for them is the party animal <laughs> so i have they're okay they're fun loving spontaneous but scattered these are the extroverts yeah we said that none of us or our friends are <laughs> i put gizmo from gremlins because yeah. gizmo i think like just gizmo is a is a healthy uh <laughs> enthusiast because he's curious and finds joy in everything but then he does become easily distracted and scattered so then when you when he indulges too much or overindulges that's when you get all the gremlins so, yeah <laughs> so this is where you stuck freddy krueger this is where i put, I put freddy krueger here mostly because he i mean he is like the extrovert horror villain but he also relies so much on quips and wisecracks and, and stuff. you know what constantly seeking new and exciting experiences yeah that's him that's mm -hmm. all his kills are i like them the most because they're all fun and inventive mm -hmm. you know jason or michael they don't feel the need to convert kids into soul sausages on a soul pizza they're right. just fine slashing and hacking freddy right. krueger needs more <laughs> the usual i love soul food he needs to be able to uh, uh, come out of your stomach and feed your own organs to you. Yeah. Because that keeps it fresh and exciting he for him. Overindulges. Yeah. It's so unnecessary, but. Yeah, he needs to turn into he... a motorcycle. Yep. Oh, my God. <laughs> Speed kills, Dan. <laughs> and then I have Oogie Boogie from Nightmare Before Christmas. <laughs> a burlap sack full of bugs. Hell yeah. <laughs> and yeah, I mean, he's same thing. He's overindulgent and quippy and fun. Mm -hmm. And that's ultimately his undoing. Yeah. Stupid Oogie Boogie. Type 8, the Challenger. Okay, so these are the powerful ones, the assertive ones, confrontational when they need to be, mm -hmm. uh, straight talking, yeah, just strong. Yeah. Strong-willed. And this is what we said, maybe uh, Cersei. Yes. Vengeful. 
Yes. Yes. It, yeah. And my, uh, I've nicknamed them the Psycho Killer. I think is a good okay nickname for the Challenger. I have Chucky. I think is a Type Eight. Pazuzu from The Exorcist and Mark Hoffman from Saw. Okay, Hoffman. I can definitely see that. Yes, he's very vengeful. That's the whole thing. Yeah. He, he first takes up uh, Jigsaw's MO right. to get vengeance. And the, I think the reason he works so well is because he's such a different person than Jigsaw is. Because Jigsaw's doing it out of some like wacky concern for people. And there's some moral motivation there. But Hoffman is just like doing it to get people out of his way. Dude. Amanda would be a loyalist type six. Oh yeah, yeah. Amanda yeah. Young for sure, like suspicious of others. Yeah, and like yeah, that ride or die, self destructive. Mm-hmm. She literally was originally uh, taken in because of her self mutilating ways. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Self harming yeah. ways. Yeah. Um. But yeah, Hoffman for sure, because he he. Like anyone who gets in his way, he's gonna, you know, kind of mow down. Mm-hmm. That's why I have Chucky too, because Chucky has like no regard for all. He has no attachments, um, even to like Tiffany. I don't, you know, they're. So, so you don't think Chucky would be that seven with Freddy, the, no. the party animal, uh-uh. the enthusiast? No, because Chucky's funny, but that's not how he copes with stuff. Okay. I think Chucky is so much less. Um, I don't know. I think I just think Chucky's so much more cold-hearted than than Freddy is. Ooh. <laughs> I don't believe it. I just don't believe it. The first person I let in on my little secret was a six-year-old kid. I'm gonna be six years old again. Well, John, it's been fun, but I gotta go. I have a date with a six-year-old boy. The criminal and outlaw. The yeah, renegade. exactly. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And, cool. uh, then, and then, yeah, you have Pazuzu. Yeah, because Pazuzu is ultimately possessing a kid's body and is like, you know, doing whatever it takes to get his way. I think it's just someone who, these are characters that have like no regard for other people yeah. and they're out for themselves. They're not really motivated by anything except themselves, mm-hmm. you know? Do you have, because uh, I'm, I'm seeing on this list, you don't have Jason or Michael. No. To the big ones. I'm so. curious if you think, because hmm. those I didn't even think about really because they're they're hard. Like they what? Hard. They're just so. <laughs> I mean, I could see Jason as a loyalist just because of the thing with his mom. Uh, I was trying to put Pamela in here somewhere and I thought I, I couldn't think of a. I mean, both of them kind of feel that way to me, suspicious of other people. But then I also thought Pamela could be a type one because she's so, like, her motivation is that these camp counselors weren't doing their jobs. You know who's type one? Is Angela in Sleepaway Camp 2 and 3. Yes, I almost put her. Yeah, she Mm -hmm. would definitely be a perfect example of type one there. Mm -hmm. Type nine is the peacemaker. I think this... This one was difficult, but once I kind of cracked what type of horror character this was, I, I was able to come up with some. They are, these are people who are like the non-confrontation. They're not, yeah. They want everyone to just chill out. Yeah, they're, yeah, they, yeah, they're the peacekeepers. They want everyone to get along. Then and can sweep things under the rug. It's like avoid confrontation yes, at all costs. Exactly. Anything to make things revert to to peace and the norm and so i've nicknamed them the accomplice 
Ooh, okay. Yeah. That's fun. Yep. Well, I think your first one's the perfect example. Leatherface yes. is our is our type nine. He's the peacekeeper, which at first you might think, what the fuck are you talking about? <laughs> he's like a, a he's our murderer running around with a chainsaw, but if you look at how he fits in with his family, and especially even more so in the sequels, you get he like he he cries so much. He's mm-hmm. like the he's like a horror villain that cries the most, maybe. <laughs> he's constantly I think he he's doing what he does for the family. It's so he doesn't so get yelled, yelled at. at. Yeah, it's exactly. He, he's mo- he's literally motivated by not wanting to get yelled at <laughs> and not wanting there to be conflict. So I think he's a perfect example of a peacekeeper. Look what your brother did to that dog. I also have Dan Kane from Reanimator, Doctor nice. Kane, who is basically he is Herbert West's accomplice. And yeah, he is a doormat. Um, <laughs> oh, Dan. Yeah. And I also have Zep from Saw. Lots of Saw characters work as these types. I'm realizing because Saw's good. <laughs> yeah, they yeah. Uh, so yeah, Zep. I think because Zep is just that whole first movie. I mean, you think he's the one behind it, but really he's just the guy who wants everything to go as smoothly as possible so that he can get out of it. I yeah, I really want to hear people's opinions on these and where because there's so many horror characters. Mm-hmm. That... I'm sure there's many I didn't even think of while i was writing this yeah fill the fucking comment section and let, yeah let us know what what types you are yeah because mm-hmm. yeah we don't know any i mean we know sevens but like our closest tight-knit group of friends it's funny to me that none of us claim sevens yeah that enthusiasts yeah none of us are that outgoing <laughs> we, yeah we have a lot of uh we have a lot of individualists <laughs> a lot of introverts yeah for sure mm-hmm. yeah yeah yeah, that was a lot of fun. That was. I, I hope you guys liked that one. I enjoyed doing the research for it and trying to come up with all the characters. I wonder if you could even come up, if people in the comments want to come up with um uh, horror heroes or final girls that could be each type. Yeah. Because I wasn't really thinking about the good guys in these movies. So. Yeah, because like, I wonder what Ash would be. Mm. You know? I, I, I almost wanna... wonder if he's a peacekeeper. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Yeah, because he's just trying he's to... He's just trying to survive, man. Yeah, And I trying like that. to, yeah. Trying to undo the mess that he made on accident. Mm-hmm. In that first one, at least. Maybe. I'd have to go over stuff, which would be boring to do on camera. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, that was a lot of fun. I'm glad you put that together. Again, you know, none of this is law. We're not saying this is a hard science that you have to adhere to, but it's fun thought experiment yeah it's fun to think about characters this way yeah and uh let's see the so july we're gonna be doing a i'm just deciding to do this now we're gonna do the paranormal activity one two three and four mm-hmm. that's the main series Each we're not week. doing the spinoff ones yes. yeah we're not doing the spinoffs because we're gonna be gone like all of july pretty much and I, I want to be able to still put out episodes each week. And so doing a series like that makes it easiest. Yes, for this me. is a, a first time thing covering a, a series sequentially, movie by movie on the podcast. Yeah. And, you know, that's that's not normally what the podcast is. And I know a lot of you really love the research episodes or the games, but just because we're literally busy every single weekend in July, there's no time to put July's, that stuff together. Yeah. So watching a movie and talking about it is a lot a easier, easier for us. Yeah. And, and, uh, I suggested that series because it's one that can't really get covered on the kill count because there's just not enough kills. So right. I figured this will be our coverage of that series 
hopefully that placates you. Yeah, I'm gonna call it's the paranormal pool party because it'll be during July. Nice. So it'll be pool party themed. Fun. <laughs> oh. Can I wear a swimsuit? Yeah, we should. I want to have floaties on and stuff. Oh, we'll make, shit. We'll make it a thing. It'll be fun. Oh, that'll be fun. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. And we may even have a guest yes. for uh, one or more of those episodes. Mm-hmm. So that'll be fun. We'll also be having our live show. Live show at RTX. Mm-hmm. The July date and time 7th. is set. Yeah. I think it's at, we do a meet and greet that morning. At 10. At 10 a.m. And then I think our show's at 3.30 in the afternoon. That's, yeah. So that's at RTX in Austin, Texas on July 7th. Mm-hmm. Uh, we'll have a link in the description Where for you, you can to buy tickets. get them tickets. Yes. We gotta fi- we have to fill up that show, y'all. We can't go in there and have an empty show. We'll look so dumb. We'll look so dumb. Please don't make us look dumb. It's our biggest... I, my biggest fear is failure. I don't want to st- sit there up there on a stage and look out into an empty crowd. Yeah. Please, it's my biggest fear. Don't let it happen. <laughs> <laughs> Oh man! Well, cool. And that's that's that. Yeah, that that's our plans ahead. Next week we are looking at a movie, mm-hmm. which I think we have in mind, and then after that will be that uh, cursed. Yeah, I think the week after research. I'm going to do like horror movies that are cursed, quote unquote, quote unquote, heavy air quotes on that. Uh, It'll be fun to. For that. I can't wait to tear miserable. that apart. All right. Yeah. <laughs> in the meantime, you can follow Dead Meat on social media at Dead Meat James on Twitter and Instagram, and I'm at Carebeck C A R E B E C C on Twitter and Instagram. And if you want merch, deadmeatstore.com. Mm-hmm. Feel free to email deadmeatpod at gmail.com with any feedback or suggestions or whatnot. But until next week, I'm James. I'm Chelsea. And this has been the Dead Meat Podcast.